0: letter 49 of pamela volume two this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox pamela volume two by samuel richardson letter 49 in answer to the preceding how you overwhelm me with your goodness my dearest lady in every word of your last welcome letter is beyond my power to express how nobly has your ladyship contrived in your ever-valued present to encourage a doubting and apprehensive mind and how does it contribute to my joy and my glory that i am deemed by the noble sister of my best beloved not wholly unworthy of being the humble means to continue and perhaps to perpetuate a family so ancient and so honourable when i contemplate this and look upon what i was how shall i express a sense of the honour done me and when reading over the other engaging particulars in your ladyship's letter i come to the last charming paragraph i am doubly affected to see myself seemingly upbraided but so politely emboldened to assume an appellation that otherwise i hardly dared I, humble i who never had a sister before to find one now in lady davers oh madam you and only you can teach me words fit to express the joy and the gratitude that filled my delighted heart but thus much i am taught that there is something more than the low-born can imagine in birth and education this is so evident in your ladyship's actions words and manner that it strikes one with a becoming reverence and we look up with awe to a condition we emulate in vain when raised by partial favour like what i have found and are confounded when we see grandeur of soul joined with grandeur of birth and condition and a noble lady acting thus nobly as lady davers acts my best wishes and a thousand blessings attend your ladyship in all you undertake and i am persuaded the latter will and a peace and satisfaction of mind incomparably to be preferred to whatever else this world can afford in the new regulations which you and my dear lady countess have set on foot in your families and when i can have the happiness to know what they are i shall i am confident greatly improve my own methods by them were we to live for ever in this life we might be careless and indifferent about these matters but when such an uncertainty as to the time and such a certainty as to the event is before us a prudent mind will be always preparing till prepared and what can be a better preparative than charitable actions to our fellow-creatures in the eye of that majesty which wants nothing of us himself but to do just the merciful things to one another pardon me my dearest lady for this my free style methinks i am out of myself i know not how to descend all at once from the height to which you have raised me and you must forgive the reflections to which you yourself and your own noble actions have given birth here having taken respite a little i naturally sink into body again and will not your ladyship confine your expectations from me within narrower limits for oh i cannot even with my wishes so swiftly follow your expectations if such they are but however leaving futurity to him who only governs futurity and who conducts us all and our affairs as shall best answer his own divine purposes i will proceed as well as i can to obey you in those articles which are at present more within my own power my dear miss darnford then let me acquaint your ladyship arrived on thursday last she had given us notice by a line of the day she set out and sir simon and lady darnford saw her ten miles on the way to the stage-coach in sir simon's coach mr murray attending her on horseback they parted with her as was easy to guess from her merit with great tenderness and we are to look upon the visit as we do as a high favour from her papa and mamma who however charge her not to exceed a month in and out which i regret much mr b kindly proposed to me as she came in the stage-coach attended with one maid-servant to meet her part of the way in his coach in six if as he was pleased to say it would not be too fatiguing to me and we would go so early as to dine at st albans i gladly consented and we got thither about one o'clock and while dinner was preparing he was pleased to show me the great church there and the curious vault of the good duke of gloucester and also the monument of the great lord chancellor bacon in st michael's church all which no doubt your ladyship has seen there happened to be six passengers in the stage-coach including miss darnford and her maid she was exceeding glad to be relieved from them though the weather was cold enough two of the passengers being not very agreeable company one a rough military man and the other a positive humoursome old gentlewoman and the others two sisters who jangled now and then said she as much as my sister and my sister's sister judge how joyful this meeting was to us both mr b was no less delighted and said he was infinitely obliged to sir simon for this precious trust i come with double pleasure said she to see the greatest curiosity in england a husband and wife who have not in so many months as you have been married if i may believe report and your letters mrs b once repented you are severe miss darnford replied mr b upon people in the married state i hope there are many such instances there might if there were more such husbands as mr b makes i hated you once and thought you very wicked but i revere you now if you will revere anybody my dear miss darnford said he let it be this good girl for it is all owing to her conduct and direction that i make a tolerable husband were there more such wives i am persuaded there would be more such husbands than there are you see my dear said i what it is to be wedded to a generous man mr b by his noble treatment of me creates a merit in me and disclaims the natural effects of his own goodness well you're a charming couple person and mind i know not any equal either of you have but mr b i will not compliment you too highly i may make you proud for men are saucy creatures but i cannot make your lady so and in this doubt of the one and confidence in the other i must join with you that her merit is the greatest since excuse me sir her example has reformed her rake and you have only confirmed in her the virtues you found ready formed to your hand that distinction said mr b is worthy of miss darnford's judgment my dearest miss darnford my dearest mr b said i laying my hand upon the hand of each how can you go on thus as i look upon every kind thing two such dear friends say of me as incentives for me to endeavour to deserve it you must not ask me too high for then instead of encouraging you will make me despair he led us into the coach and in a free easy joyful manner not in the least tired or fatigued did we reach the town and mr b s house with which and its furniture and the apartments allotted for her my dear friend is highly pleased but the dear lady put me into some little confusion when she saw me first taking notice of my improvements as she called them before mr b i looked at him and her with a downcast eye he smiled and said would you my good miss darnford look so silly after such a length of time with a husband you need not be ashamed of no indeed sir not i i'll assure you nor will i forgive those maiden heirs and a wife so happy as you are i said nothing but i wished myself in mind and behaviour to be just what miss darnford is but my dear lady miss darnford has had those early advantages from conversation which i had not and so must never expect to know how to deport myself with that modest freedom and ease which i know i want and shall always want although some of my partial favourers think i do not for i am every day more and more sensible of the great difference there is between being used to the politest conversation as an inferior and being born to bear a part in it in the one all is set stiff awkward and the person just such an ape of imitation as poor i in the other all is natural ease and sweetness like miss darnford knowing this i don't indeed aim at what i am sensible i cannot attain and so i hope am less exposed to censure than i should be if i did for i have heard mr b observed with regard to gentlemen who build fine houses make fine gardens and open fine prospects that art should never take place of but be subservient to nature and a gentleman if confined to a situation had better conform his designs to that than to do as at chatsworth level a mountain at a monstrous expense which had it been suffered to remain in so wild and romantic a scene as chatsworth affords might have been made one of the greatest beauties of the place so i think i had better endeavour to make the best of those natural defects i cannot master than by assuming airs and dignities in appearance to which i was not born act neither part tolerably by this means instead of being thought neither gentlewoman nor rustic as sir jacob hinted lindsay wolsey i think was his term too i may be looked upon as an original in my way and all originals pass well enough you know madam even with judges now i am upon this subject i can form to myself if your ladyship will excuse me two such polite gentlemen as my lawyers mentioned in my former who with a true london magnanimity and penetration for madam i fancy your london critics will be the severest upon the country girl will put on mighty significant looks forgetting it may be that they have any faults themselves and apprehending that they have nothing to do but to sit in judgment upon others one of them expressing himself after this manner why truly jack the girl is well enough considering i can't say then a pinch of snuff perhaps adds importance to his air but a man might love her for a month or two these sparks talk thus of other ladies before me she behaves better than i expected from her considering again will follow so i think cries the other and tosses his tie behind him with an air partly of contempt and partly of rakery as you say jemmy i expected to find an awkward country girl but she tops her part i'll assure you nay for that matter behaves very tolerably for what she was and is right not to seem desirous to drown the remembrance of her original in her elevation and i can't but say for something like it he did say is mighty pretty and passably genteel and thus with their poor praise of mr b s girl they think they have made a fine compliment to his judgment but for his sake for as to my own i am not solicitous about such gentlemen's good opinions i owe them a spite and believe i shall find an opportunity to come out of their debt for i have the vanity to think now you have made me proud by your kind encouragements and approbation that the country girl will make em look about them with all their genteel contempts which they miscall praise but how i run on your ladyship expects that i shall write as freely to you as i used to do to my parents i have the merit of obeying you that i have but i doubt too much to the exercise of your patience this like all mine is a long letter and i will only add to it miss darnford's humble respects and thanks for your ladyship's kind mention of her which she receives as no small honour and now madam with a greater pleasure than i can express will i make use of the liberty you so kindly allow me to take of subscribing myself with that profound respect which becomes me your ladyship's most obliged sister and obedient servant p b mr adams mr longman and mrs jervis are just arrived and our household is now complete End of letter forty-nine.